Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dear 2020, can we just... Start over. I'm Dorno Porter and I've been thinking about life in lockdown, mostly from a cupboard. My new book, Life in Pieces, is full of thoughts on everything from bad hair and parenting to things we can control and the things we can't. When everything's falling apart, we'll piece it back together. Life in Pieces is out now in hardback, ebook, and audiobook. Hi, I'm Dorno Porter and welcome back to So Lucky, where each week I go deep with my guest and explore all of the sides to all of their stories, their highs and lows, their hopes and fears, their lucky and their unlucky moments. For our final episode in this series, my guest for you is Tony and Obie Award winning performer and writer Sarah Jones. She is the powerhouse behind the one woman Broadway hit Bridge and Tunnel, where she plays all 20 of her characters. And you're going to get a taste for Sarah's amazing vocal dexterity in this episode. Sarah is also my friend. She's bloody funny and she could talk the hind legs off a donkey. Is that the expression? Okay. Sarah and I talk about falling in love too fast, how we measure success and whether that's in authenticity or joy. Sarah's brilliant characterizations. And most importantly, how essential it is to have an organized spice rack. My beloved dog, Potato, also takes center stage in this interview. So this is me, Dorno Porter, talking to the genius that is Miss Sarah Jones. Sarah has potato. I have potato. I'm slightly distracted. I'm sorry. On her lap. I, wish... I don't know how this is going to go. I because... don't know. I can't think thoughts. I'm making him my boyfriend. There's, there's probably all kinds of unpacking and therapy that I need to do around this, but he's so boyfriend. Can we just talk about what that means? Energy. Making him my boyfriend. Yeah. Where are the limitations of this relationship? Yeah. How I, far is it going to go? So I think I'm going to stop short of getting physical. Right. I feel like this is a, a an intrigue and fantasy-based relationship. He also hasn't spoken a word. And no. so there's a limit on, like I can make up what he's thinking up to a certain point, but if he jumps down from my lap, for example, there's probably gonna be an abandonment narrative yes. that writes itself. Cause I can't hear him say, oh, I'm just uncomfortable or, oh, I just had to fart. Yeah. And instead I'll write the story of why it's not working just out. Just rejection, plain, plain rejection. You know what I mean? He's just, doing something with his ears that I don't see him do very often. Like he is in the actual, like just 
taken by the pleasure that he's experiencing with you right now. See, now you're writing me the yeah. other story, which I, I and I did this recently. I wrote myself a whole narrative about a, a human uh, boyfriend person, and it was too soon. Oh, really? I wrote too much too fast. Do you tend to do that? Oh, God. It's frightening. I oh. don't even recognize myself. I'm walking around norm, quasi-normal, and then suddenly I'm in a terrible old school Disney, you know, rescue me. I don't need rescuing. Right. And yet, Is it know, just that you fall in love very quickly? Yes. But I think that I, I think that my limited understanding of what love is, stroke could be, and by the way, all my Britishisms are coming out now because mm-hmm. I'm talking to you. I would never say stroke. An American <laughs> would be like, are you having a stroke? Are you okay? Do you need a stroke? And I, what I mean, of course, an American is slash. So mm-hmm. stroke slash. Um... Oh, oh, then I just got lost down the rabbit hole then. And also I'm giving potato this, massage. This new relationship. This is new relationship. You've done it again. It's, You've oh, done I'm it again. I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> I've already written him into, like, do we need a prenup? It, that feels so unromantic. You know, he's such a kind person. He wouldn't take anything He seems so kind. Yeah. He'd never take anything. He'd and take I, the blame. He'd take the blame. He'd probably only take, like, his dog bed and some biscuits. Boy. And just be on his merry way. He wouldn't. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I do. I, I think that I fall in love too fast because I have a, I have a, an unrealistic notion of what love actually is. So I fall into infatuation. That? Right. I fall into physical attraction. It is, uh, like it's frightening how I can sort of everything goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Somebody who really does it for me, all of a sudden, my priorities get reordered. In a frightening way. Right. Frightening. But you see this about yourself. And is it something that between relationships you can kind of adjust so next time it's not so bad? Or is it just every time? Well, here's the great news. I have discovered that like everything else, repetition of new habits and new patterns works. So that you do it differently. I don't have to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Right. I just have to do it differently like by moments I have to incrementally change and that shit is so painful Mm -hmm. it's so painful not to be like but he's dreamy do I still have time to have kids like it's so gets me out of that kind of warm you know comfortable fantasy place that I've known all my life Mm -hmm. and I it's almost like I forget immediately after the breakup how I got there I forget that it was to, if you take this road to this road, make a left here, make a right here, you go into a ditch every time. So don't take that road. And if you do take that road, make the right instead of the left. I just didn't get it that there is something almost as simple as I'm making it sound, almost as simple as GPS to keep me from repeating this shit with men. And I didn't know that before. It's called look at the relationships you want mm-hmm. and then do what those people are doing right ask them don't be afraid like i really thought that i came with you know a built-in relationship management tool yeah that was gonna help it work and if i just married the person it would work out and unfortunately i'm you know it was a very messy experience of a marriage for me and another person yeah. that i wish i don't wish i hadn't done it because it's part of how i know not to go in the ditch again uh-huh um, but it's I'm just getting out of something and so I think it's very wrong I feel like you need to borrow him I really need to borrow him for like a week because here's the funny thing this feels loving like yeah. I don't I'm not holding back from giving him cuddles I just feel like oh my god you're so wonderful and I want to let you know and I think with human beings 
I learned from a dynasty of women before me say the opposite of what you really feel. Oh, do you really care about him? Well then, don't right. call it. Self-protection. Self-protection, yes. shut it down, you know, put up all sorts of walls because we don't know how to do a healthy boundary. So let's just make it unscalable. And then if the poor man can get over the, you know, this massive thing we've built, mm -hmm. then marry him. That's not a recipe for healthy anything. No. But it's what I learned. So I'm just unlearning all the things that I don't think they meant to learn either. And their grandmothers and their grandmothers. It's yeah. just been ages and ages of like really bad maps, upside oh down maps. So here, as I talk to you, Sarah Jones, a woman who I admire and I adore. Mm -hmm. I love to look at you. I love Aww. to listen to you. I love to read you. Um, you came into my life around a, over a year ago. Yeah, maybe, year maybe. Ago. God, it yeah. could even be two years ago. It could even be two years. Um, and it was kind of immediate love. I had an I had an in because you had been in the same film as Chris. Mm. Um, now, God, hang on a minute. I'm going to get the name of it wrong. Um, oh, well, the sad thing is I may too. The Incredible Jessica, Jessica Jane. Jane. James. I always say Jones because I'm so a narcissist. Yes. And that's my surname. <laughs> right. So the, incres <laughs> the Incredible Jessica James, James, when Chris was the love interest, and you appeared later in the film as her hero writer. And um, I'd seen this, and so I saw you at our um, workspace that we both used at that time, and I was like, she's the coolest person in the world, and I haven't in. So I was like, you're a film with my husband, you're a film with my husband. And you very, very kindly didn't go, yes, but also leave. <laughs> I sort of <laughs> remember a reverse stock. Like, I, I was sort of like, who is that and what is she writing? Like, I just wanted to know what was happening with you. Just hiding in the corner all day long. I re No, kind of, there was, you know, electricity coming off of your corner. And I love that. I love watching a writer, you know, you you were in a... Well, watching, watching someone creative when you're creative, actually doing it is always inspiring. It's and just a relief to see that it's a work. It was yes. a relief. I, I yeah. think, yes, I think you helped me write. Well, that's how I feel about your productivity. And um, so we've just talked about your love life, which maybe <laughs> which doesn't, feel, doesn't feel so successful as mm. your writing career. It's definitely maybe. not so lucky. But well, there you go. So it brings to my question. Do you consider yourself to be a lucky person? So I do in the sense that... Like I'm here I am with you, right? Like I'd be, I think I would be delusional if I didn't acknowledge, like, first of all, how do we define lucky? Mm -hmm. One of the things I loved about your book, about, about So Lucky the Book is what each person thought of as so lucky for the other or where did they think they had an advantage yeah. or, or not. It's so subjective. So subjective. It's so subjective. And I, there have been times in my life where I look on the outside, very lucky, and inside, like a couple of your characters in the in the book, I wanted to. I almost said in the film. Ooh, am I a soothsayer? I, I can see it. No, so just saying. But um, I have had that experience, which is one of the loneliest. I I can't even. Uh, it's one of the loneliest things I've ever experienced to realize I have attained whatever the brass ring, the precious, whatever mm -hmm. that is. I've got it, and I feel um, less satisfied than ever. I right. feel more of a failure or more kind of like this wasn't enough. I'm, you know, I must be such a piece of shit that even this shiny thing that's supposed to make me okay has in fact made me feel worse. Is this all due to the fact that we feel that we have to succeed in everything? I think that's part of it. I do think that, and you know, it's funny. I've been watching like a lot of period pieces on, on TV 
whatever gets me out of my own stuff that I'm writing that's mm-hmm. that's sort of in the future. So I watch Victorian, you name it. And, or just having seen Little Women. Um, it's all the same. We've, you know, down through the centuries, whether you're wearing a corset or, you know, twerking, mm-hmm. it's the same message that you must, you know, kind of have the best, I don't know, popovers of any, you know, you, you have to... Uh, churn the best butter you have to like there's is yeah. this thing of like your worth is determined by your output mm-hmm. um and your um identity is wrapped up in a ranking like some kind of hierarchy and i think that at our best none of that's real like no. when you can really connect with another person you don't give a shit what they're wearing or you enjoy like i love you know i love to kind of pop onto instagram yeah. and see what you're wearing from a place of like this is fun this is aesthetically pleasing. the same thing that makes me a writer mm-hmm. i love beauty but if you turn me into someone for whom beauty is a competitive like a rod that i'm flogging myself with and where am i on the beauty scale mm-hmm. then you're just miserable and yeah. i think women I-, I think that women have been socialized into that by patriarchy, uh-huh. I really do. I I think that um, then we internalize it. I've I've internalized a lot of that shit, so it's daily work. It is daily work. And how good are you at like when uh, you know you've had award winning shows? Um, when you're at that level, and it's such a hard thing. I can't imagine mm. of all the things I'm writing something for the stage at the moment. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's like you don't. I keep thinking with a with a book, if they didn't get what I said, they can turn back mm. and read it again. With a TV or film, you can stop, rewind. But in a play, you get one chance. That writing has to be so, so good. And you win awards for doing that. Like mm. There literally is no better that you could be doing mm. at that. How good are you at when that is going so well, spreading that joy across the rest of your life rather than thinking, oh, but I don't have a boyfriend and then just feeling like shit despite this other brilliant side of your life i'm so much better at it now than i was i think that's fair to say some of my the days that look least you know i don't know the days where it's least obvious that i've accomplished something like mm-hmm. when i'm in my pajamas or i'm like you know kind of like crying on the phone to a friend i truly i deeply mean this some of those days are my me being my absolute best, most authentic self Mm -hmm. in contrast to writing a play that I've wrung out of myself and done my absolute best and gotten the awards, but still felt like, oh, but I'm I'm a rubbish human being unless I have these other things. I don't feel that way anymore. I don't want people to take my awards away. I would love to win more of them. They Mm -hmm. feel good. And being able to access my fucking feelings is I mean it's the holy grail I didn't know that I really thought if you just get the statuette in your hand and you're in the nice frock on stage and people fet you and you have the right agents and and I moved you know I did theater and I started doing TED talks and Mm -hmm. films and all these other things where the um, feedback is different Mm -hmm. it's still you know I wanted that standing ovation and then I wanted the how many people like me and all of that none of it fills the place that, you know, I see you with your children or I see, you know, I see myself with my, I don't have children, but like my chosen family. Mm -hmm. When I can be the me who is, you know, really not, doesn't appear to be at her best, Mm -hmm. but I know that I'm actually most alive. Aliveness is, I, I, (laughs) 
borrowed this thing from a friend that um, what if joy were our only metric for success? Like what if your only metric for success were like, do I feel joyful right now? You I know? mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful be world? fucking amazing. And I'm starting to think like, what if authenticity is our metric for success? Yeah. Um, I'm really being me. Like I'm, you know, it's okay that I love your dog so much. I have dog hair in my mouth and I'm getting extra protein <laughs> and I can say that to your listeners and not worry like, oh, that'll look a bit. No, yeah. it just, it just looks like what it looks like. And it's beautiful because it's, it's, you know, transparent and real. And I, I think it that's would what be, I, but isn't there, how often is it that you meet someone who is that joyful where you don't think, what the fuck's going on? Right. I don't what buy do you it. want? <laughs> yeah. Like, is this, a, not, you know, it's not this, real. When does this crash? When do we hear about the, <laughs> one of my favorite experiences is talking to other people whose lives appear, you know, kind of, uh, unapproachably beautiful like it's impossible for someone to have as much success as they have as much money a beautiful relationship gorgeous all of that stuff and then hearing them say i you know woke up this morning obsessed with botox i couldn't stop thinking about how you know my thighs are rubbing together i am worried that i fucked up my kid like we like i think there's something so um there's something so loving about being messy and imperfect uh-huh. in the world. It's it's a it's a service. I feel like not. I mean, you don't want to you know pass out on a carpet because you're, I mean, like you yeah. know, if you're on a red carpet, that's an appropriate time to be very pulled together. Uh-huh. I love the way you do it. There, you know, there's a way to. I think everything in life gets better when you are your authentic self and you can say to people, by the way, yes, I'm joyful in this moment. Uh I may leave here and have road rage or I may leave here and think to myself, you know, oh God, I've put on weight and I'm not okay. Or, you know, like whatever the whole of the person is. And I think this is tricky, right? Because in the age of, uh, I keep coming back to the characters in the book, but the (laughs) You know, in the age of, ooh, look at me, I'm so transparent and authentic. Like me, like me, like me. These are, you know, I'm getting ad buys from these clicks. I think it's something else. It's not, you know, um, kind of putting your life on display in in faux, you know, feigned authenticity. Mm -hmm. That's not it either. It really is like, okay, I... My life has not turned out exactly the way, you know, I've won these awards, but I had a quote unquote failed marriage. Right. And it is easy for me to say, oh, these areas of my life need improving. And I've really started looking at it as like, what they need is acceptance. Like Uh if I can, instead of like, I'm going to mercilessly improve on the life that, uh, you know, I'm going to mercilessly improve on where I am now. I'm going to, I'm not satisfied with where I am now. I must keep going or blah, blah, blah. That approach has had me run marathons until my feet are broken. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. <laughs> did uh, you really do that? I really did do oh that. My God. I really did do. I have some, there's some extreme, I'm giving Dawn the extreme download, but I really did. I, and I think I was running away from my life. I was like, let me just log another 50 miles this right. week. And I just couldn't cope. So there are all kinds of strategies for coping that aren't real coping. Yeah. And I think like, um, I just, I really believe many people are waking up to, oh, achieving doesn't work. Self-improvement sounds nice. Yes. But it's fucking endless. It's absolutely endless. endless. I I get asked a lot in interviews um, what living in Hollywood is like and if it's bad for self-esteem. And I have to say, since living in Hollywood, myself, and well, not living here, since being married to Chris and being a part of Hollywood, 
um, my self-esteem has gone up because what I see is that the reality is that no one is perfect and all of this, I think with the entertainment industry and especially Hollywood, you think that everyone is living these perfect lives. All you have to do is be involved in the industry for five minutes to know that isn't true. And you're an interesting character within it all, a bit like I am, because we're writers and we're in it, but on the periphery of it, of it, with this perspective that writing gives you when you meet people and think about people. And so we had this moment a few years ago, and I won't reveal who this was, but when a very, very, very well-known actress is sitting at our breakfast bar, that sounds way fancier than it is, you know, kind of upset, crying about life and come to Chris and I Mm. for um, advice and support. And I was just kind of, as a friend doing that thing, but slightly out of body about the situation going, I've been watching you on films for a long time, thinking your life was perfect, that that was all I wanted. I wanted to be a part of this, do this. And now you're sitting here sobbing because you haven't got the things that we've got, or it's not actually going that great. Mm. You're terrified about what the next job is be. You feel completely um, like typecast. And it was that moment where I went, no one should be trying to achieve this shiny veneer of Hollywood and this fantastic life that people think people live because I promise you they're not living it. So we get this opportunity to see the reality of all of that. For me, it's made me more content and happier than ever. Yes, I feel like, so I am from New York and I moved to LA fairly recently. So I, this is sort of a new proximity to this Mm -hmm. world for me. But in New York, I was pretty, you know, I did a little TV, I did a little film, I did little bits here and there, but I never went all the way in. I wanted my independence. And frankly, I I was afraid of like becoming, you know, just a a crazy person, crazier than I already was. And I actually, so this is funny. So my, part of the reason I was able to do independent work outside the world and sort of see it, but not be of it, is I did these one person shows based on characters that I grew up around Mm -hmm. who were, the whole point of them was their imperfection. It was my, based on my real family members, my great aunt, who talks like this, and as you know, we're going to get on to this. Wait, oh, wait, yes, wait, we I'll are. tell you why. Because I would always think, so this is, you know, an older lady who would say, what do you need Botox? You want, what do you want, a, a warm heart or a frozen forehead? You, can, you know, you're going to, you have to choose. And I grew up with people who did not care, did not uh, put Hollywood folks on a pedestal on one side of my family. And on the other side, it was like, you know, can we get a, an IV drip of fame obsession? It was like fame obsession. So I was right in the middle of it. Like my, I, I, I can say my dad, you know, knew, he would just sort of, what your reputation was meant so much. Right. And so fame chasing, you know, growing up in New York, the, the um, I don't know, Donna Karen's daughter went to my school or this one or that one. And I, I had just enough proximity to it to start to get that fever fashion week and whatever. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, I kept hearing that is meaningless. Those people put their pants on one leg. Those people put their pants on (laughs) one leg at a time. So I think when I came here, all of the kind of, I don't know, the part of me that, uh, it's not that I make fun of the fancy, Mm -hmm. but there is a part of me that's so unfancy. I ride the subway. I, you know, I am not this limo riding, red carpet walking person who I sometimes get to be Uh out here.
I guess it's easy for me to say because I'm not the one in it like Chris is. I'm, I'm just, I get to observe, but be in this kind of lovely situation in Hollywood where the pressure's not on me at all. So I realized that. It- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's a different, like for you, you are in it. You did say something though that I think is such an interesting point on striving for perfection mm. in terms of everybody, whether all the, even if all they consume uh, culturally is soap operas, mm. whether you read a hundred books a month or whether you watch every movie that ever comes out, we are all fascinated <clears throat> and in love with imperfect people that we see on screen and on paper. And there is no joy as a writer to write someone who is perfect. There's nothing there, there's no story. Yet some people are striving to be perfect and happy in this kind of cleansed way. And it's just, those aren't the people they love in their life. Those aren't the people who are living their best lives. It's just, anyway, I guess I'm saying this for anyone who's listening who is just on this constant like, mission of self-improvement just stop it's okay and not only that like I what you said is so helpful because it brings me back to something you said earlier about childhood <laughs> and I think there's a link between I've been noticing this in my own life mm-hmm. there or childhood or your early life you know I don't know anybody who hasn't suffered some kind of trauma just coming out through a cervix into yeah. the universe is a traumatic experience oh, there's four steps on your head whatever that is Everybody gets traumatized somewhere in life. You're bullied on the schoolyard or you're, you know, whatever that is. And virtually nobody gets a really healthy way to process that Uh and feel like they're made whole around it. Like, okay, I had a shit experience and I've sorted it out. I've, you know, I'm clear that I'm all right. And maybe that person was hurt, hurt people, hurt people, all that sort of shit. And I'm going to move on. It's usually, I'll show them. And then off to the beauty pageant we go or off to the, you know, like, I can't think of anyone who doesn't have some scars, some wounds, and those get sort of off, I don't know, how would I call it? Yeah, sort of offloaded into our psyche in a way that then drives behavior Uh well into adulthood, well into raising our own kids, well into all of that. And couple that with, it's very, very lucrative to sell people perfection. If you think there's just one last 
You know, I mean, I was getting, and I love this, I was getting my eyelashes done when I came out here. It was the most fun thing ever. I had these big, crazy eyelashes. And I thought about like, okay, well, this gives me joy. But at one point, I was spending a house payment yeah. on beautification, straightening my hair. I wore my hair straight for so Did long, you? obsessively. Yes, because somebody said wow. when I was a kid, you know, what, what are you going to do with that wild hair? Like, what, no, no boy is ever going to let, whatever. And so, you know, something I heard when I was in third grade is driving the economy of lower Manhattan because I'm running around looking for a blow dry every five seconds. And I do think about how much perfectionism is tied into a particular strain of capitalism. It's like, we're going to, you know, how can we make as insecure a populace as possible mm -hmm. and then send them lots of ads for all the things that they think are wrong with them? And I yeah. hate to say it, but I think it, I think that's got a grip on a lot of us. You know? I think it has. I mean, God, it's on every level of how to perfect your life. I even got, I went on Instagram this morning, one of the ads that popped up, which I, this is so <laughs> stupid, but was a how to arrange your spice rack. <laughs> and I got, it's such, like my spice rack is such, it's such a point of conflict, conflict in my marriage. <laughs> Cause I'm all about just load the drawer up. I love cooking so much. I love the chaos of it. I wreck the You'll kitchen. Find what and you I just need love like going, going through, through. through Chris, it drives he, he me crazy. And so I was just like, but I feel like I feel like Instagram's heard this thing and now and now I my honest reaction to this really organized spice rack was just how shameful I felt about my current situation. <laughs> Okay. It's not just about beauty. It's, no, it's not just, just about like beauty. life choices. It's, it is. How you arrange your spices is a big deal. It's everything. Um, can I ask you, please? <laughs> um, now everyone's just become completely acclimatized with your accent. I know. Could you please slip into English for me? Okay, so here's a really difficult bit is that when I was coming here, I thought, I'm going to see Don. I'm going to want to speak to her. And, you know, I'm going to want to speak in this way immediately. I, I knew it. I heard it in my head before I got out of the car. And I sort of thought, you know, is there a car park nearby? Which, by the way, nobody says car park here. It's parking lot. This is what I love about it. You've got all of the the slang. And well, there was one that you said to me the other night that was just so good that I hadn't even noticed that I said and American oh. people hadn't said. But you, right, so how did this Oh, we were we talking get... about somebody you know who was in hospital or something like that, or they were, they were, I don't know. Anyway, we were talking about how it's just the subtlest, it's like, you know, I went to the hospital. Is yeah. They say, I'm banging the thing again. But um, it's really tiny things like that. that so we I say, hear. I went to the hospital, I, and no, America you, is just went to hospital. Um, no, America is went to the hospital. Right. And in England, what I learned is, I'm in hospital, or right. I'm in casualty, or I'm in, when I came over here and tried to explain to people casualty, they're, oh, emergency room. Yes. You know, little, it's tiny, tiny bits like that, that you can really get lost actually in a conversation. If you're talking, if you say compare to an American person, they have no clue whatsoever what you're no. talking about. Um, so it's, you know, it's like a chat show, um, you know, advert. I mean, these are words that I learned because I was with my, I was with an English boyfriend for ages and ages, um, probably needed to take a different road, did end up in a ditch, um, but it's okay. And I, there was something so, and my accent is sort of like, you know, there's, there were, there were times when I'd spend enough time with him and his family and they're from the North. And mm -hmm. so I'd get sort of lost there. And then um, I had to be really careful about sort of what I watch. It, you know, if I watch The Crown for too long, it starts to, I, I start, you know, I, yeah. I, whatever, I go somewhere yeah. that I don't want to go. But this is part of, this has become part of my sort of, 
I, I started to say Arsenal, but that's a bit violent, isn't it? It's no, I like, like it. It's my, there's, there's really a lovely, warm place within me that sounds like this. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can put it. And it is... I haven't been back to England actually in ages and I would like to go back because it does So you just do me. this when you're there? So you would just kind of... No. no. So I, I, what I've learned is that I should probably get mental health uh, assistance <laughs> with the part of me that just sort of wants to turn it on and leave it on and not, you know, kind of let people know, hello, I'm American. What is that? It's me hiding, honestly. When I, fir- I did my first TED talk, mm-hmm. I was so nervous. I was so... I think I felt sort of, you know, what... What am I doing here? Bill Gates was there. It was fucking weird and and wonderful. Like I sort of felt like, okay, I've arrived at something very special and I feel like people want me here or they Uh wouldn't have brought me here. But at the same time, there was that imposter syndrome that I think so many people have. You know, you can be the the author, the, the kind of talent that whoever you are and still walk into a room and feel you know, I don't belong here, how dare I, all that shit can come up. And so mine comes out through my voice box. That's the problem, is that my (laughs) insecurities can project themselves out through, you know, I can hide in plain sight. I've done it before. I did it in dating. I I didn't want to feel my feelings. It was too difficult to sort of turn up and be plain old me. And if you're in America and you sound like this, you automatically, your hotness points just leap up. People just think we're so clever. Clever and hot. Yes. Don't forget the hotness yeah. bit. It's there. So I think that I, and I started to even feel more attractive. Uh, if I start talking like this and I walk up to a bloke and I'm just sort of, oh, hey, how are you going? You know, well, that's Australia. But, you know, if I do that, yeah. I feel more, co- I've sort of f- started to believe my own nonsense that this makes me something I'm not. So how, but how far have you gone with that? Have you <laughs> ever gone, gone tell me, have you ever been like on a third date and gone, <laughs> so listen, this isn't who this I, isn't who I really am. Listen, I got to tell you something. <laughs> you get another drink, honey, sit down. Let me tell you something. He's like, oh no, my, my Megan Markle's gone. I know, oh, she's most, the other way around. It's Sorry. the most authentic English Naomi accent. Campbell. You sound more... English than I do. It's weird. I people tell me that, and I, I think I told you this, and maybe I told you this or Chris, but I've actually had the experience of letting people down, which was quite painful, and I think oh. that helped me stop doing it quite so much. Um, a couple of like sort of BAFTA winning, like really prestigious, amazing um, black British actors approached me at like a fancy something. And we're like, hey, oh, so wonderful to meet you. And I kind of turned to them and went, hi, I'm so happy to meet you guys too. You're amazing. And they were like, oh, are you, oh, are no. you not? And I was like, oh, I'm not. Oh, did you watch my TED Talk and think that I, that's really, oops, I'm sorry. And it was terrible. Like, they, oh, I think they God. felt, they actually felt like I had, you know, taken the piss out of them. And so I, I've learned like, okay, there's a way to... First of all, explain where this comes from. Yeah. I, I, re- I really did have a colorful and I dare say harrowing at moments childhood that made me, for whatever reason, kind of disappear into these characters. And I got so good at it, I think, because my relatives sounded different to mm-hmm. me. Like that. Okay, so different to, right? My relatives sounded different to me. My, my family sounded different to me. First of all, I would say my family are. Americans would say my family is right, um, and then we would say like I'd say my family is different to me as an American. I would say my de- family is different from okay. me. It's stupid little shit, but, but I don't you, notice it God, until so I'm well doing observed. it. I well, it's probably obsession. It's 
probably a little bit of OCT, but not to make fun. I have all those little things. And also and it's I, your job. It is so my job. So it's like, you, you know, fairness, you're just really good at I'm your job. I'm meant to pay attention. Yes. It is my job. Very fair. Thank you. But um, I, you know, I had, I had all these relatives and I would talk like this to the West Indian. If they start talking to me, I would talk back to them like that. And it gave me like a place and a, a place to feel identity and mm -hmm. to feel connection and all of that kind of thing. And then... Um, I think being from a mixed race family and my mom not looking like me and just feeling confused, there was something so grounding about whoever I was talking to, I could give it back to them. And it felt like a bond. And I also, like I said, I got to escape, you know, other kids would could literally run from home. Mm -hmm. I would just kind of, you know, disappear into a character all day and nobody could touch me. I mean, it's, <laughs> I love it so much. I feel... Like if all kids could escape into somebody else, I mean, I, I don't know how healthy it is, but it's it just not, sounds it's not so that, fun. I don't know that it's the healthiest. I'll, I'll say that. It's probably I probably could have used a, a, a you know a therapist or a counselor. Do you feel Do you feel like quite a well put together person? I do now. Yeah, I really do. She said in an, an accent that's not her own. <laughs> um, I feel like all I have integrated all of these parts of me. That makes me feel so lucky. Mm -hmm. I have been through so many experiences of self-abandonment like really just leaving myself for mm -hmm. somebody else a man a job um you know these people will never call you again if you don't go so too bad that you're super sick and can't even get out of bed scrape yourself together get on a plane and go kiss the ring of these fancy people uh -huh. and i made myself miserable so many times and i'm smiling in the photos it all looks you know glamorous or exciting or whatever but there were so many times that if I had really sort of asked that inner voice this this is probably the closest to that accent I don't uh -huh. even know <laughs> but if I had asked you know kind of the inner person within like what 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 do you need she would have said I need you to let me stay in bed I'm sick right like those people are not so important that you have to drag me across the world so I think I've learned now to integrate enough of the parts of myself Mm -hmm. that I don't just spontaneously, I'm not just gonna, you know, if somebody, I will never forget this. I was in a store um, in New York. Okay, this is this is like some of my Dominican relatives, whatever, Dominican, Puerto Rican, all of that. Um, and the girl in the mattress, I was like buying a mattress. The girl in the store was Dominican. All of a sudden, I swear to you, full on, I was like, si mama, tu tienes que I was like, I'm like, I'm speaking Spanish to her. I wanted a discount on the mattress. She gave me a discount on the mattress. So I'm like, okay. I have to learn how to do this in a strategic way yeah. that is not being a terrible person in the world and like, you know, like manipulating reality so uh -huh. that people believe this is really true. But also like it's it's part of who I am. I can't help it. So I had to learn how to like navigate it and manage it, not suppress Because for a while I was like, no more characters. Right. This is madness. I have to stop it. And they would like leak out sideways. So I think it's like I'm old enough. I'm experienced enough in what it feels like to be shitty to myself. Uh -huh. So many of us are so shitty so to shitty. ourselves. Then, I mean, I told you about the marathons. I would just drag my bones out of bed. You know, I wasn't eating enough. I was doing the whole thing that I think, especially as girls, mm -hmm. we're taught kind of fit into this, be the be perfect, be all of it now, right? Like that is a, another big 
I think, um, kind of trap is like, not only must you be perfect, you must be perfect in the following 77 categories, yeah. right? And like, you have to be able to, you know, have a pint with the lads and, you know, also not weigh anything. Mm-hmm. How do you do both of uh-huh. those things, right, right? So I think the impossibility of what's being asked of us um, is it amounts to self-abuse at a certain point if we don't wake up to that voice inside that's saying, hey, I'm in pain. Don't put more false eyelashes on me uh-huh. today or, you know, don't straighten my hair again. I need to just, can I just let it be wild? Yeah. Whatever that voice is, listening to her is why I now feel so lucky. That's, I mean, I think I'm so pleased you've got to that point. And also, I just think that that's what age does. I feel like getting older is getting to know yourself, isn't it? And it you is. just, you shed off so much of the things that you think you're supposed to be and the things that you think you're supposed to do. And it's, you know, it's just part of being human. There's always stuff that's, you know, tapping you on the shoulder. But I do think you get to a point where you're just like, oh, I think I know who, I know what I am and I know what I need to do to, you know, maintain my happiness. Um, Is there anyone that you look at, uh, whether you know them or in the public eye, where you're like, you're really lucky? Mm. You know what's funny? If you catch me on the wrong day, I've got a list. Right. Right. Half of them are at award shows where I should have been. Uh-huh. And now, though, in this particular moment, I'm sat here with you. I'm sat. We don't <laughs> say that. I'm going to keep doing it. It's really, really fun for those of you listening. Um, I'm sitting here, American, right. with you. And I've got, you know, potato on my lap. And I've got things. I've got, you know, there's a project I'm working on which people can find me and find these things I'll share it with you yes um but I'm not saying that I don't have ambition and I don't have goals but there's this feeling of like oh I'm I'm really I'm really good I'm really who and how and where I'm supposed to be therefore nobody else looks so lucky anymore is there privilege yeah I mean I think that there is you know, I live in America. There, are, There's white male privilege. I got pulled over in my car in a neighborhood. Like when I'm in my neighborhood, which is near here, I never, I've never gotten pulled over once. I went to a black neighborhood and immediately was pulled over. It was, really? Yes, here in L.A. It was my first experience. And I noticed, you know, and I grew up with my dad who is, who's black uh, and, was a, and is a doctor. He's a retired doctor totally paranoid that he would be singled out for being black and driving a a car with, you know, doctor's license tags. Right. And he was. So I think that, um, and it it was long ago in a certain way, but it's not, right? So there Mm -hmm. are elements of privilege that certain people enjoy in our culture. It's a privilege to have been born here and not be an immigrant trying to cross the insanity at the border now. It's a privilege to have access to a certain amount of money and resources so that you can eat every day. Like there are privileges. There is, I suppose, luck in that sense. Um, because I do think that it's accident of birth. It's accident of, it's an accident of geography. Yeah. I remember I went and did some research in India and you should have seen these women who are my complexion, brown skin, looking at me like, how did you get out? Right. You know, they're in brothels and, you know, kind of stuck in a life that they don't want to be living looking at me like, but you're us. Why are you with the fancy group that's come to, you know, and you'll leave with private security? How in the world did that happen? I'm so lucky Uh in that respect. So yes, there's that. But I think I no longer look around and think, like, I don't believe that this is a meritocracy. I think that that is a myth 
that Americans love. And I mean, I can't think of anyone who proves it better than Trump. That right. This is, you can, you know, born, as they say in baseball metaphors, born on third base and think they hit a triple. I can't give you the cricket equivalent of that. But, you know, <laughs> wickets that you didn't fucking earn. Yeah. Um, that is a thing here, without question. And I, I like the idea that our art and our work can illuminate the places that it's not just it's you know we can't run around saying democracy all the time if it isn't really one properly like if there are some people who are born into you know a stratified class system and will never get out we need to look at that Uh um that said i still look around and think i'm really grateful for everything i have i have had sort of like you having people someone at your you know kitchen at your your breakfast um, Uh, my breakfast bar your breakfast bar (laughs) At your breakfast bar, darling. Um, having, you know, having been in, I'm thinking of one particular person who I won't name, but this person is just as world famous as you can possibly be. And standing in her house, I had to sort of like breathe and remind myself mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm still a person, this person. And she wasn't happy. Yeah. She wasn't happy. And I thought, I don't want to be you. I don't think you're so lucky. I don't think you're luckier than I am. And I don't think she thinks that either. And no, that's, that's the other bit. That's is that- the thing that I've noticed is that people who, I think when the world presumes that you've got everything, it's a really, it's a really uncomfortable position to be in. Yes. And I think a lot of people, and Instagram definitely doesn't help, Hollywood doesn't definitely help. doesn't help, doesn't are in help. that position. And actually, the more you get to know those people, like we get the chance to like, I feel quite sorry for them. I've never seen misery like the misery that accompanies having absolutely everything the world tells you you're meant to have. An entourage of 40 people, you know, every possible whim, you know, someone's thought of it before you can even, you know, formulate the the idea. Yeah. And you're, I mean, it doesn't look happy. And I'll say this too, I think hierarchy hurts everyone oh it does it really does if you're at the top of and i'm not saying i want to be you know ground under the wheels of a carriage or something that's horrid and i'm not saying they're equivalent i'm saying if you are the privileged class some of the guilt we see some of the anxiety the miserable kids who you know they feel horrible knowing that they've got you know, more than they can ever use in their lives and other kids are starving, that hurts everybody. Everybody feels shit. So I love the idea of not a utopia, not some, you know, kind of impossible um, standard of perfection around equality, just equality. If we look up the word in the dictionary, it's kind of there for us. Like It's amazing that we're still striving for it. It would have just been, God, if we'd have just just maintained equality everyone would be so happy it's kind of, and it's, we can still do it you've definitely inspired me to go and sack my entourage this afternoon <laughs> I think oh, it's time just sack half of them keep 20 keep, keep 20 keep me and potato I need my flower girl you gotta I have need your my flower girl. yeah I need my like the guy that opens my car you door the your, guy that drives my car you need your boiler suit manager yes that's very important do yes. not let them go because I would be sad if you let them Sarah Jones, I wish you and Potato a very happy future in your relationship because you're clearly meant to be. We're meant to be. We're meant to be, right, Potato? Right, darling? Do you like me English? He likes me American. He's the most American person I've ever met. We really are. We really are. We're Americans. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop recording be- before USA. this gets physical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much again to Sarah for talking to me on So Lucky. And thank you so much for your reviews and ratings of the podcast. They mean so much to me. 
the podcast is going to go on a break for now. So if you need any more of me in your life, you can console yourself in my latest book, also called So Lucky, which is out now in print, ebook, and audiobook. I'd like to say thanks again to Sarah, to producer Emma Corsham at Rethink Audio, to Fanula, to Liz, to Kim, and all the team at HarperCollins, and especially to you for listening. I'll see you soon. <laughs>